Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 179 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you Jeff Mack on mental illness in BDSM. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is the Beast. Hi, Woody. I hear you have converted to the all-electric world. I purchased an electric vehicle, so I'm now conscientious and, and conserving the air. Ah, so you like it? I love it. It is so cool and quiet. Tennessee canned the, the, the law that says you can hit protesters. Well, I'm not going to protest. I know, but but your electric car was a perfect weapon. You are right about that. They couldn't uh, I hear could sneak you up coming. on them. Yeah. They couldn't hear you. Yeah, it yeah. is absolutely quiet. It's so weird. Well, we have somebody that isn't quiet with us. He's uh, coming back to us. A great guest. We have Jeff Mack back with us tonight, Woody. Hey, Jeff. How are you tonight? I'm pleased as much to make it here. It was, as you mentioned, a harrowing escape for me to get out of where I was and get on to talking with you from my phone, a thing I've never done before, which I'm honored to do for this cast. We've trapped him in a car because he got stranded by bad customer service and is now sitting in his car talking to us. And so we do appreciate you being with us. So we're going to call this the auto episode? Auto, automotive, automatic or something? Automatic something, yeah. Jeff, we had talked in the past, and you did a, a great job on our last cast that you were on talking about uh, kink events and organizing. We had chatted about some other aspects that we want to bring up, and that is mental health in the kink scene. And you can find a lot of different sorts of mental health out there. Uh, what is your experience with it? I think it's safe to say that most of the people that I've met in the kink scene are probably some manner of neurotypical. I say this as a layman. I am not qualified to diagnose. I would not try to diagnose. I am not a scientist. But I will mention that I mean for a living. I run steampunk events, kink events for nerds. I run fairy festivals. Pretty much everybody that I know that's likely to accept me into their circles is likely to be a neurotypical. And after way too many years in the kink community, it's going on 25 years now. I got to say, whatever normal might be, I have no idea what that is, we ain't it. Yeah, normal is such a relative term. Not with my relatives, it isn't. No. I, I see. <laughs> yeah. When you say um, uh, normal and, and we're trying to kind of uh, whittle down on what that means, we're finding different sorts of actions that we see in the scene, and it varies in diagnosis. And again, we're not doctors, we're not going to diagnose something, but we've seen everything from multiple personalities to uh, different forms of autism, Asperger's, you name it. What have you seen? I have seen a wide variety of some form of clearly psychologically divergent behavior. And again, I'm not trying to hide behind fancy words. I'm being careful about noting that I'm not always qualified to say, hey, these things mean this. 
And well, I'm not ever qualified to say that on a technical level. And it's often an unwise idea for me to assume that. Though I will say that after three decades of living with diagnosed Asperger's and reading a lot about it, I find myself frequently able to identify other people who have been diagnosed with Asperger's, but I'm very careful about making any sort of assumptions. I find, Jeff, that uh, the interesting thing is people in our community are very confident and sure of, in many cases, their mental health and their diagnosis, and they're very open about sharing them. Is that, is that kind of what, what you're finding? I've definitely found that. I definitely see that. And I think that one of the things that is a norm for us is people standing up and saying, I have this diagnosis or I have this situation or I suspect I have this thing that is classified as a disorder. And I think community understands and recognizes that. And I think that's partly because some aspects of the King community are welcoming and understand what it's like to have so-called normal society look down on you. And again, if you are a person of kink and you consider yourself to be normal and find being called weird or non-typical derogatory, please don't take this amiss. It's just one way of looking at things. So part of it's that I think the kink community is, is in fact, sometimes more open. And part of it's that, hey, kink itself was specifically diagnosed as a disorder for many, many, many years, and we had to lobby the DSM changed for that. When your basic starting line for the vast majority of any sort of organized kink scene within the lifetimes of anybody in this podcast, and looking at this podcast, I see gray hair on all of us, uh, certainly for all of our lifetimes, and lifetimes probably the people who introduced us to the scene, we were specifically diagnosed as having a disorder simply for being kinked. And when you come from that background, it's pretty hard to start judging. People do it, but I'm glad to say that many people in the King community recognize how awful, painful, and also unhelpful to everyone involved it is to start judging people on a neurotypicality. Well, I think the word deviant behavior has been thrown at us for a long time. Is that supposed to be a bad thing? I was wondering, Woody. You, you know, that's the thing. It's deviant from the norm, whatever the hell norm is. Norm is that guy over there. Yeah drinking a diet soda. He's kind of boring. I don't like hanging out with him. I notice he has white patent leather shoes on too, you know? Well, the norm that comes, comes to my mind is from cheers. Yeah. Norm. <laughs> if he's normal, we have a problem there too. <laughs> yeah. You know, let, let's look at this in, in a different light. We have been criticized by healthcare professionals in the past. And this is back in the DSM four days as being mentally ill. If you were gay, you were diagnosable as mentally ill. If you have sexual deviance, according to the standard book, then you are not normal. And so we are fighting this whole thing that society has built and said is normal. And so we're fringe players. We are way out on the edge. And some people say uh, that we could be dangerous, you know, and, and we can name many other groups that go out and play on the edge, uh, whether they're biker gangs or, or drug gangs or, or what have you. You know, we're the BDSM gang. We are the BDSM gang. Actually, that, that makes us sound very badass to me. Well, you got a leather coat on, man, you know. You, you must true. be a, a member of the, the gang. I find that our community, beyond just being um, recognizing our, our our own issues and 
addressing them oftentimes much more aggressively than maybe the general population might. That our community as a whole, though, is more accepting and understanding of these variations that we bring are less judge judgmental and ostracizing of us. Multiple personality disorders are often a great barrier, but I know several people that that have them that are active in our communities. So I think we we have some kudos there for that. You look at the honesties that we profess a lot. You know, when we meet somebody, we want to be true to what we say we are. We don't want them to find hidden flaws in us that can cause problems in the community because the community is small enough that it communicates and you can very easily be drummed out of it. And when we're navigating relationships as kinksters, especially when we're navigating kink-oriented or kink-based relationships, we are navigating emotional complexities which are certainly differently layered. I'm just going to say harder and more challenging than navigating without them, much like I think navigating a jet plane is more difficult than navigating a car. Driving a jet plane doesn't make you a better person than the person driving a car. It doesn't necessarily make you cooler than the person driving a car. It is going to go farther, faster, and be, in a large sense, a whole different form of transportation. And kink is an entirely different form of transportation for relationships. And for my car, I have a back tire that's kind of low, and some people think that it might be flat. I've been driving around on it. It's probably okay. I might or might not get it replaced. If I were driving a jet plane and somebody said, yeah, I think your wing is slightly misaligned, the jet plane would almost certainly, if that person was right, that jet plane would probably just crash because it's so much more complicated. It's going so much more quickly. It's doing so much more. Again, I'm not trying to set kink people up as better than normal people or kink relationships as better than other relationships. There's an entire set of discussions that one might have about what kink, or in my particular interest, yes might do for a relationship that might make a DS relationship more fulfilling, certainly for someone who practices DS, but maybe more fulfilling in general than one might find other relationships. That's a different discussion. I'm just saying we need to recognize where we're coming from because what we're doing is already sufficiently large and powerful and moving. Navigating a kink relationship, and I'm going to go with DS relationship as my baseline, though there are lots of kinds of kink relationships which are not necessarily DS-based. But navigating a DS relationship is a tremendous amount of mutual communication and a tremendous amount of minds meeting each other. You need those minds to have a reasonable idea of where each mind is at and what each mind is likely to do, or you are likely to cause tremendous havoc for yourself and those you love. It's very true. And I think that that you're right. This uh, this level of awareness is a critical component that is required in both the relationships and your and your um, awareness of your own health status, be it physical, mental, emotional, and your status. How are you today? You know, because tomorrow may be different. Yesterday was. And it will continue to be. If we look at the situation that we're in, we have to be true to each other as community members. And if we're not, we're going to um, lose trust between us. We are playing with weapons, knives, paddles, all kinds of implements of distraction and destruction. 
And so when I am playing with somebody, they have to trust me implicitly. They have to know that I'm mentally stable enough that I'm not going to kill them. And the word is not overly strong. What we have can take a life. There's a thing about not fucking crazy. And that is a line that is in the sand somewhere where it can go from fully function in the mental realm into the thing where instability happens. And that's probably the big dividing line, being fully functional, maybe with some diagnosed uh, mental issue, but then crossing the line and being out of control is where it goes wrong. I might not see it exactly that way, particularly from a framing of starting with the idea of, quote unquote, don't fuck crazy, and trying to define what crazy is. I'm hearing a little bit of a definition of crazy as being out of control. And I would actually simply say, don't fuck the out of control. And it's not mental health or mental illness, which makes someone potentially out of control. I think we're actually looking at it differently. One of the things that can make people out of control is mental illness or some sort of mental challenge, especially if that is not regulated or not well understood or not spoken. But that is a much smaller piece of the larger issue of don't fuck someone who's out of control. And that's much more important. There are people who might be classified by the psychiatric community as very deeply mentally ill, who are absolutely compost mentos for doing kink and can do kink beautifully. And there are people who might be examined by a psych team and the psych team would say, clean bill of health. And those people would be people you'd want to stay away from. I know a few of those. There's some very calculating people out there also, and I'm not saying in our community, I'm saying everywhere in the world, to where they're calculating on how they can get ahead of you, get above you, get control of you. So you can't really draw a line on saying that that is a mental dividing line, as you were saying. It is uh, somebody that's out of control or calculating to be out of control is dangerous at any speed. Well said. But I have, uh, to use a proverb, fuck crazy. I think that there was nothing wrong with her faculties. She just was totally out of control. Yep. Yep. I know who you're talking about. You know her, huh? Yes, I do. Yeah. Did you avoid her? No. Oh, I'm so sorry. Guilty. I'm so sorry. Uh, we all have one or two of those people in our community that, that wreck havoc in our worlds. I want to go back to something that was mentioned, trust. And I think this is a incredibly important thing that we foster in our communities is trust in the relationship. And I think that trust empowers us to be more supportive and our partners to seek out the help that they may need more readily because they are trusting in their relationship and how they're going to be received because Mental health issues are often stigmatizing. And uh, knowing that you are at least have a safe place at home makes getting the help that you need so much easier. I'm going to throw a bit of a thought into the mix, which goes like this. Kink is a tremendous mental pleasure. You can experience kink on a wholly physical level, but recognizing once you've crossed the divide, recognize that you can go to spaces of kink in your personal life, in your play, in your relationships, and just how rich and deep and powerful that can be. Once you've recognized that you can do that, people in general do not want to go back from that. I've known people who do, and I've certainly known people who want to, and I've known people who've left for social reasons, but 
once you recognize what you can do with kink, you find something incredibly valuable. And I think from my own experience and to the experience of people I've spent time with, when you find something, anything that's a barrier to your doing that, you look to find a way to make that thing not a barrier. And if, for example, what you have might be something like a mental illness or a diagnosable mental issue which could be treated, you might have additional motivation to treat it. And let's face it, getting any kind of medical treatment, be that physical or mental, is really difficult. I can barely get to the bank to deposit my checks. Getting to a therapist's appointment on a regular basis, getting to a doctor and telling them everything about what's going on in your head and hoping they'll give you the right meds, trying meds, Various things you do to try to gain mental equilibrium can be unbelievably challenging. And kink can be a really powerful motivator to help people say, if I want to enjoy this thing that I love that is a part of me, I need to try to improve my health. And there are things about my health that might be improved if I go through this process. I'm not trying to denigrate that process because I've known a lot of people who have had mental health challenges and gone through hell to try to fix them. I had a serious addiction issue with the sleep drug Ambien, and I had to go through rehabilitation for that addiction. And that really, really sucked. But I also knew that one of the things driving me forward was that to some extent on Ambien, I once had a blackout where I was no memory of what was going on at all. And that's not going to be acceptable for me myself, for my own philosophy in the world, if I want to be in a situation where, for example, I might be someone's top. You need control. You need control, and I think you need control from any position in a king world. You need to have self-control to the extent that you can. And you know what? You could be battling an addiction issue and still be an excellent kingster. You can have a problem that you haven't yet been able to treat professionally. I'm not saying if, you're, if you have some sort of anotypicality, you need to go and get it fixed by a doctor. You can't see it, but I'm putting up air quotes. What I'm saying is that ink is a powerful motivator for us to try to recognize what is inside of ourselves, try to see it, try to find it, and try to make whatever is inside of ourselves align as best possible with the partner's play partner, relationship partner, business partner, friendship partner. We want to be in the kink world. Kink is such a powerful motivator and such a powerful need for us. I think that it gives us a boon in that sometimes it helps us get through stuff that is unbelievably difficult to motivate one's way through. If we look at uh, alcohol, for instance, knowing you're an alcoholic allows you to deal with that. And knowing what your mental issue is allows you to deal with that. I have been to counselors in the past that did not understand kink. And so that's like trying to do uh, alcohol rehab at a smoking cessation place. You know, it's just not going to work no matter how you try it. And so you have to find a kink-friendly professional, which you can find on the NCSF site. And at that point, you can do the, the work to go where you need to be. And it's a point of balance in your in your person. It's not that you're trying to get rid of it. You're trying to work with it and decide how you can be uh, of value to other people. If it's a play relationship, how you can be a valuable top or bottom to someone else and remain in control, as we talked earlier, when out of control is out of control. Don't go into a public dungeon 
out of control, either on a top or a bottom, something's going to go wrong. And I'm going to note that, for example, for something like mental health, going to a counselor, going to therapy, going to a doctor are really important things, but they're also not the only paths. And I don't mean to criticize anyone who, for one reason or another, is prevented from that path. Once you recognize that you have some kind of challenge that you need to deal with it, it is how you deal with it and what you're able to do and what you tell people and what you change in relation to what you do and what you might be able to keep and how you keep it. It's a whole wide world of factors based on your response. But the first and most basic thing is to recognize I want myself to be safe, I want those around me to be safe. And if I'm going to be entering a kink space, I need to make sure that that can happen because anyone who's out of control for any reason endangers those around them. If by the same token, we don't want to stigmatize anybody who has issues with their self-control because of mental illness. Let's face it, all human beings have issues with self-control. Human beings run into problems of anger, they run into problems of jealousy, into problems of questions of status or hierarchy, sexual performance, um, distraction. People run into all sorts of things which put them out of control and put them temporarily in a poor mindset, regardless of what other factors they may have. And so being a neurotypical and in the scene gives you extra reason to look at your a neurotypicality, discuss it with people when possible and when necessary, try to understand it, try to see its effect on you, try to figure out how to work with it best. Gives you a lot of incentive. Try to manage your challenge, your pain, your difficulty, your disorder, whatever it might be as best you can because you're no longer doing it just for you. And for a lot of us, regardless of top, bottom, or what have you, that's a really critical point that it can be very hard to seek help for yourself, for a lot of people, for a lot of reasons. But when we're in the King community together, we often need to seek that help because others rely on us. Others need us to be in a good place because otherwise we can't help those others. Sometimes we challenge the spaces that we create. It's so hard to create a good king space by being in a place where we are not, as you say, in control of ourselves, regardless of reason. I'm going to go a step further and say many people who have some sort of mental health challenge are people I would rely on way, way more than people who might never be diagnosed by anything. People who have stepped up to the plate and said, I have these challenges. It's really hard to admit. It's really hard to live with. It's hard to make these challenges work out well, but that's what I'm doing. I would trust someone like that and give that person major respect over someone who's like, I'm totally fine. I'm sure whatever I do is going to be fine. What's the worst thing that can happen? Uh, denial. Oh, denial. Oh, the dangers of denial. We've seen it in people that, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. And then two weeks later, you find out that they're some kind of psycho killer. Trust but verify. I think that's the word. Right? Trust and verify. Do not kill someone unless you have their consent to kill them. Exactly. A basic rule. We have uh, got through our, our show here, and we're talking about all kinds of mental health issues and, and that sort of thing. And uh, none of the three of us are uh, mental health experts. We're just talking about our opinion and observations. Uh, Jeff, you've been at this for a long time. You've seen lots of people. I have. We're just uh, literally voicing some observations that we had. If anybody has uh, objection to anything we've said, we are certainly uh, welcome at an open forum to uh, allow you to have some airtime to um, to tell your side. So we always want to be fair to people, and opinions are opinions. What, what do they say? Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Yeah, yeah, or two or three. Mm -hmm. But we would invite our listeners, if they have experiences that they're willing to share, we always like to, to get those stories out. 
Jeff, thank you for joining us again tonight, catching you out in the car. (laughs) I really appreciate your flexibility, guys. I won't forget this. We appreciate uh, your time tonight. Uh, You have a safe drive home. And listeners, we uh, thank you for your time tonight. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much. You have been listening to episode 179 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we present Lykey Davis on Trans Living.